Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, hey, listeners. It's Amber. We're reminding you all to join our Patreon. The Sci-Fi Side Podcast is completely sponsored by listeners like you. And now for $1, $2, $3.50 a month, you can join our Patreon and support us. Remember, we do book giveaways at the end of the month. So, Carlette, you should have received your book. Please tell me if you did not receive your book. Shout out to our two new patrons, Natasha and Siri. Siri, it's S-Y-R-I. Please let me know if I did not pronounce your name correctly. Next month for the end of November, we will be giving away the book Binti. We covered Binti really early in our podcast journey. So go back and listen to that episode. Join our Patreon. You can find that link in the description box. Now let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side Podcast under the Believe Podcast Network. It's a podcast about black science fiction, fantasy, and staying on the same page of our marriage. Today for episode 59, we will be reviewing Horror Noir. Not to be confused with the book that we covered and the documentary we covered a long time ago. This is a new film. It's an anthology series that recently came out in 2021. There are a slew of black directors and black authors, so we will go over each of those as we break down the segments. But before we do any any of that stuff. Ben, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Just came off of a time playing some board games, hanging out with some people, doing all that. Uh, But earlier you accused me of going to an orgy. Well, your board game group has been meeting more frequently. So I was like, look me in my eyes. This just like one big orgy. I can take it. I'm a big girl. Amber thinks that I'm sneaking out not to play cooch fart or The Devil's Ride to the Castle, which is a great card game. But instead, I'm sneaking out to have an orgy. Yum, yum. Wow. Well, t- why don't you tell who, people who, like... Who hurt you, Amber? Who hurt you? Well, I, I think you should give people more of an idea of how long you be gone. So let's say the board games start at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. on a Saturday. You come back at 1 a.m. Yeah, it's longer. How than, does that not feel like an orgy? It's longer than an orgy. Let's be <laughs> honest. Yeah, if I'm playing Battlestar Galactica, that's longer than an orgy. Right. An orgy, I I think my ideal orgy would be... Orgy length? or Orgy length. Okay. Length. Thanks for the um, clarification. What do you mean? Because like your ideal orgy could be like a referred to place, but you're talking about time. Yeah, I was about to say. So my ideal orgy running time would be an hour and a half. What about you? Uh, of like get to know yous. That's enough time I mean, to like make my rounds. That doesn't seem like enough time. I would say like a solid two hours, maybe three hours, two and See? a half hours. Right. I'm saying I'm somebody who likes to like, let's do this and then get a good cuddle in. But you know, everybody's different. Um, we all I'm, have different needs for orgy requirements. That's what you're saying. Correct. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Well, I'm not excited. I'm, Yes, I am. So one, um, Ben and I recently launched a Kickstarter, and I'm going to plug that in the middle of the episode as well. But I just upped the stakes today. I told people, if we get this money, like by tonight, I'll shave your head. And I'll agree to watch Cruella on Disney Plus, which, you know, I have been fighting with the dolls ever since it dropped in May. And it's so funny that the internet's way more fired up about me watching Cruella, which is good yeah. for you. I'm still going to shave your head if yeah. we meet our money goal. But I just cannot for the life of me understand why the girls are living for 
you know, that bland Emma Stone. Well, here's here's the thing. This is the problem with you generation. This is the you problem. You generation? What's you generation? You, you folks. YouTube is people it's, that watch this YouTube. Is, this is a problem with you folks. With you people. You people. What do you mean by you people, man? People addicted to their fucking phones. Okay. Here, here's the problem is that you haven't seen this fucking movie. So you are making all these assumptions based on the fact oh, that you have not. Oh, why are you, you saying not... you as in, I thought you, so right now I'm in a war with the internet. So when you say here's a problem with you folks, I'm ex- assuming you're talking about the internet. I'm talking so about. So why don't you talk about me? I'm talking about lots of people and you're one of them. Lots okay, of what's, people, my, what's my lots problem? Lots of people will make judgments literally about a film or about a TV show and they have not watched it in completion. Well, here's the thing. Okay. Classic example, The Witcher. People, there are, and you're not the only one that does this, but you're doing it right now. You're judging. Well, I, let, let me start with The Witcher. Entertainment. <laughs> you, okay, I'm going to let you finish because you cut me off, and then I got to go on my Emma Stone weekly, soapbox. Entertainment Weekly gave this terrible review of The Witcher which, without watching the entire series. They watched like four episodes. That's and not fair, a, yeah. And actually, that's I discovered after that that that's very standard in the industry of TV and film review is that you will watch a, a series in part, not all of it collectively. That's a huge problem. And so what you're doing is you're doing what these shoddy critics do, which I think you're just a level of, um, you're a level below as far as just responsibility, is you're making a judgment on a movie based purely on stills. Not, not even the fact that you've seen the movie. Am I going to get a word? I thought this was like a our podcast situation. Okay, so let Sounds me Sounds like you got talk. a lot of word in inside your your Instagram. Okay, I'm done. You what go. What does that even mean? That like wasn't you, even a good dig because I actually don't know what you mean. Well, I'm, what I mean is that you've already gotten your word out. Oh, okay. So, okay, let me say this. A couple things. I think casting is very, very important. As an actor, they stress to us, like, you just might might be the look and the role and the feel that they're looking for. So it's really frustrating when Glenn Close and all of these amazing, like, evil villain, witch, like, quirky girl, Winona Ryder, Kat Dennings, like, type girls are typically cast in a villain role. And then you get, like, Margot Robbie and Emma Stone and Anne Hathaway as Batgirl. It's like, wait, those girls get to be the musical theater kids. They get to be the hot girl in Easy A and Super Bad. They get to be, you know, co-starring Viola Davis with the help. And they get to be the weird uh, girl interrupted girls. Like, that doesn't seem fair. That's the one. Don't, the put, the, don't put Emma Stone in a box, Amber. I see. You're oh my putting God. her in a box. Never, I never would have known. I, I needed freaking Emma Stone. Stop. I, I saw the help and said, you know what that girl would be great at? Cruella. Out of all the things you could have gotten canceled for, Amber, you're going to get canceled oh, sure. for oh, taking down I'll take Emma this Stone. Down. I just think... I hope we, you work with her someday. We probably will. And I'm going to say, I, I don't know how they casted you in this role. And I still haven't seen it, but I loved you in these other films. I'm not saying she's not a good actor. I just think it, it's mismatched. I think there are so many like weird niche quirky girls and they can only do one thing and then they don't get to do this. I also, I just think at this point, Cruella should be black. She's got a two-tone wig and she hates fucking dogs on everything. If that's not my auntie, I don't know who the fuck that is. That's the one. The two, okay, because I do not want to talk about this white woman the entire black sci-fi and fantasy podcast the two is that we saw the photos that were released at the premiere of cruella at 101 dalmatians 
versus Cruella starring Emma Stone. Did that not give you different energy? Yeah. Glenn Close is like, bitch, Cruella is a lifestyle. Emma Stone's like, I mean, it was a role. I had fun. Yeah, so what Amber and is lastly, referring to. Disney, well, let, let, let me explain I'm, I'm gonna for post, our listeners. I'll post those in the Patreon. Well, for maybe someone who is would not be able to see. Okay, go ahead. You know. Uh, so what Amber's referring to is that Emma Stone wore sort of a business pantsuit leg to the premiere. Where, I'm sorry, you're doing the fashion right now? Yeah, <laughs> A yeah. business pantsuit leg. It was like a, a business pantsuit leg. <laughs> yeah, she wore a fucking pantsuit. Yeah, and then... You know, Glenn Close. Glenn Close showed up as Cruella the entire like, night, full on, full drag, full on full character work. You know, uh, laughing white, maniacally. White face. She was wearing white face, cigarette holder in tow. It was a she was a fucking icon. She's like, this isn't a role. I I am Cruella. And then the last thing I'll say, and this is not Emma Stone's fault. Disney is moving towards a more family friendly thing. You know, stupid. Cute. I know we're about to have a family and I don't even like that shit. And so I say that to say that they're like, they're removing her cigarette holder from her hand. And, you know, they're making it like she's a villain, but not too villainous. Like you now that you've got me excited about horror and shit, like I want to hear that Cruella used to bite dogs heads off and eat those motherfuckers for dinner. And now she has <laughs> since changed her ways and gone to rehab. And now all she does is skin dogs. I'm very excited. That's the Cruella story that I want to hear. If it ain't that. If it's just like a dog hurt me, so now I hurt dogs, like it's a rap I don't want to hear. And that's the last thing I'll say about that. I'm sure she did a great job. It's just like it's villains don't need to be justified. And if they are going to be justified, I want to see that like we've seen the tame version of that villain. I, I think my problem with this issue is that you're commenting on a product or a production that you have not seen yourself. Tons of people do that, Ben. I that and that's what I when I said that's the problem with you people. So you'll feel better if I see it and then say all the. And then you things. can say all this, all the shit you want. I I am totally like that's why they make trailers. You've seen trailers for things and been like, no thanks. Yeah, but I mean, I I What's will say based on the trailer, based on the trailer. But if people are saying no, it's really good. I'm getting conflicting, you know, opinions. Yeah, then you should go and watch it. Especially because you're sort of like a Disney princess it, yourself. I am. So that you, you, it is your responsibility to watch every oh. single Disney movie. Let's be real. Like I don't you think still I'm a haven't Disney seen the good. Then. You're you haven't seen the good dinosaur. Most people haven't seen the fucking good dinosaur. Yeah, well, you should. I think. Listen, if there's no princess, you are a, you're a Disney. Like you even work for Disney. You've done work for I Disney. Did. Disney. It is your responsibility to watch all the major productions that they do. You, you should watch it. I was. I did voices for a different sector of that. But anyway, let's actually get to some positivity and joy. These are for people. And it's funny that I, I'm making this segue because we're talking about Apple Podcast ratings. And sometimes people who don't even listen to our show leave Apple Podcast ratings based on the just pure strength of our Instagram, the TikTok. So our, I our don't podcast, mind that. That's fine. Our podcast comes out through our other content. That's yeah, great. Exactly. Because you know you're going to get like a similar vibe. Um, but I do appreciate everybody that does listen to the show. Okay. Let's read these. I, I picked so look, out. Let's look at these and what these nice people said about what? us oh. when we're super insecure. I actually. All right. Read, I'm sorry. Did you want to be read honest? This? I actually read some to. of this stuff when I'm feeling like I'm having a bad day. I know you do. And you like to give me shit about like, why are you letting people? Oh, I think the negative comments. I, I give you shit. About you the like negative reading comments. those too, though. 
Well, they're funny. You put them in my face. All right. Since you want to cut me off all day, why don't you read that first one? Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Is that what I'm doing? A little bit. You told me to be a little bit more like, you know, uppity. and. I know, uh, but that to you means like, all right, I'm going to T-bone this bitch with my car. <laughs> I'll T-bone you in other ways, too. Ew. I'll give you a T-bone. Give you a D for the T. The D-bone. Okay, shut the fuck up. Stop being nasty and just read I the l- fucking... Read the re- review. Someone wrote on 10-25-2021 as... Oh, you, you need to put your Kathy, glasses on. Kathy Younglord. Kia the Young Lord. You see that? Kia the Young Lord. I can't Lord. see it. It's very On 1026. Tiny. Okay. I'm sorry. Who uses who uses five-point font? It's not five. Okay. You, it's okay. You, your vision suffers tonight. I'll read it. I love these two. These two crack me up and are so cute. She means me. I love when they mess with each other and how their personalities play off of each other. Really? We do mess with each other and we mess around with each other. Ew. Okay, let me read the second one because it's so fun. You know what I should do? I should read bad TikTok comments on the show just every now and then because I saw one today that was just like, he, this guy was on a rampage. Um, We'll go get it. I'll read it because I, I In think a sexist funny. way? No, no, just in a, like an asshole way. Okay, let me read this fun one. The Sci-Fi Side Get Me So High podcast. This is from PGH Bromo. Bromo writes, I can relate it. <laughs> I should have edited this. That's okay, friend. That's okay, friend. I can relate to y'all as I am also emotionally, financially, and spiritually broke grad student. Apparently, things get better. I think I believe that because you two are amazing and funny and always manage to keep me smiling and laughing when I'm feeling down. Keep on doing this. P.S. Amber, please peg me while Ben DPs me. Fulfill this gay boy's incubus and succubus dreams. Yeah, so that was probably after the death by temptation. So this, you know, he stayed on theme with the succubi and the incubi. Show me you are a true listener out there. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just I got horny just hearing that message. Then you are quite a horn dog. And now I'm going to read a fun um, negative TikTok review. Y'all let me know what you think. Um, This is on a video where we were telling about um, how we are planning to make a documentary about like my pregnancy and the first couple of months of our child's life and how we're raising funds for equipment and cameras and things like that and third party and people to actually help us edit yeah so we can pay fucking pay them too yes and people are like super on board with it and everybody's been super supportive but you know there's always sometimes there's always an ogre on the internet um and this person left three messages yikes okay three comments wow he writes I mean, I don't know if it's a he, but I'm what, just I'm just assuming. What's, what's just the name? Of, of, what's the name of this person? No, I'm not gonna do that. I don't care. I I, I don't want people to. Go they don't they don't have any content. Whatever. Okay, let's let's just read it. You guys are cool, but I'm disappointed that you're going with the predictable shtick of emotional pregnant woman and terrified clueless husband walking on eggshells and getting swatted on the nose for breathing. I can watch Everybody Loves Raymond for the exact same vibe, but that was made 20 years ago. That was his favorite. Uh, fair criticism. <laughs> fair. I'll, I'll take that. Not on a video where we're like, hey, thank you all for supporting us and making our dreams come true. He's like, hey, <laughs> if I wanted to watch Everybody Loves Raymond. Almost thought that show did really well. What's yeah. Bra- I, I think I think it's a hopefully. So well, I think, I think that's fair. Him describing as... I know this is a he because it's terrified, clueless husband walking on eggshells and getting swatted on the nose for breathing. That's the gag. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not really walking on it. I sort of instigate you. Do you get swatted on the nose for breathing? I try I mean, to. Maybe, I try to maybe insta- there's some truth to you. Maybe I should text them and be like, "I really thank you for this feedback. It actually improved our marriage." I actually think it's a good thing. So here's, I have thought about that because I think sometimes we do. We're like playing a little bit up this stereotype, and it's a little obnoxious. Yeah, but uh, you are clueless. I'm not fucking clueless. It's a lifestyle. It's like Corella. It's a lifestyle. I think that's fair criticism. One of the questions, essential questions we're going to cover as well in the documentary is how do you maintain like queerness when you're adopting a very like straight heteronormative lifestyle, which is putting all your future into a child, like a biological child. Don't you think it's a little derivative though? <laughs> I mean, that I'm going to be this person. That Don't question, is, little... it's not derivative. It's a very queer question. Cruising for Utopia, it sort of addresses that question. No, it uh, does. I, I just know that, I mean, then that's going to be the thing. I, I'm, I'm not feeding into this person's bullshit. I mean, obviously, I, I read it on here because I think it's fun and, and we should show that we do get some negative commentary. But it is sometimes a little interesting that it's like, we have so many people reach out to us and say, like, this is so relatable. My husband forgot this, whatever, too. My man doesn't clean, too. And it's like, is it predictable or is it just like something is happening to one person's body and this other person literally has no fucking clue what that's like? Like, sure. He can drag us, whatever. Probably some old angry white dude. Okay. You want to talk about the show, which is not filled with white people that hate us? The show, or the the movie rather, is a six-part series. Um, Each segment has been directed and written by a black author, a black director. So you want to dive in? Yeah. Do you want to say one more thing about this person? No, I'm, I'm good. Okay, cool. They're in the past. They're in the past now. Okay, so the first segment um, of this, there's six of them. So let's do a good job of like staying on track. The first segment is called The Lake. It is directed by Joe West, and the short story is by Tanana Reeve Do You want to give a quick spiel? Because you recognize the short story yeah. right away. Yeah, it was fun because I'd read this story in Ghost Summer, which is a uh, collection of short stories from Tanana Reeve Do. Loved it. And uh, I'm really into exploring this question um, of like predatory creatures, uh, uh, predatory teachers, I'm sorry, who are, you know, fucking creeps. And this story does a great job of that. Basically, this woman goes to a lake house and we don't really know why she's there. It seems like maybe her husband died, but no, we find out that she's been fucking her student. Or, you know, sexually assaulting or sexually this... manipulating her students uh, at a previous school. And now she's moved to a new school, a uh, new school, and is now doing that. Which is, by the way, like, that is something that does happen. Like, teacher, there was a teacher who was fired for, you know, sexual misconduct with a student and was able to get another job in a different school district because the infrastructure of school districts aren't, you know, it's not really there, right? There's not like a clear um, communication at times between different school districts. Uh, Also, I think like the way we see children and treat children with like respect is just not really a thing in the U.S. I mean, I think about like after Sandy Hook, right? Like we wait, what are you talking about right now? I'm just talking about <laughs> like protecting about children. The- I'm just talking about protecting okay. children. There's like, not like laws in place. I thought so I asked it- you to give a 30 second spiel about the segment. Yeah, I mean, and, that- and I looked up and you were talking about Sandy Hook. Yeah, I mean, because I do, th- I do think about it. All right, so basically, this woman can, you know, she gets a, a one of her students 
and she turns out to be this awful siren who lives in the water and then eats one of her students, and that's the end. So what did you think about that? Um, I, th- I think it took us a little bit of time to get really invested in the story because we were like, this lady, I, th- I think they casted her really well. For as much vitriol I gave Emma Stone at the top of the show, this casting was perfect. This lady looks like the second coming of Halle Berry, and she's like so unassuming and so sweet and so hot and so sexy, so you'd never suspect that she's like a pedophile and her becoming this mermaid siren just like took it next level. So I I thought once the story like started to pick up, it was doing a really great job. Um, And it was so every, every part of this anthology series was filmed very well. So sometimes I let that like color my vision of like, I I just, I disagree with that, but keep going. You don't think that it was filmed well? No. You don't think like the camera angles and the shots and the colors of the like remember when we were looking at the lake and we were like, damn, that lake looks yeah, good. No, I'm gonna I think jump this, in that lake. I think this one did a good job, but there was I mean, each um short film as it is an anthology it's an anthology series, so each short film is not connected at all by a larger narrative. And there was some like really high production values on some and then some where you're seeing the reflection of the camera crew. I know, but that was, it still looked like a fucking Target commercial, Ben. That's what I'm saying. Like the set, everything from like the set design to the composition, like, like you can tell that things were filmed with really high quality cameras and stuff. Like, so sometimes I let that like, you know, not to drag Insecure, but sometimes that happens with me when I'm watching Insecure. Like sometimes like the shots of LA and the music transitions, they're so good. And then sometimes I look up from an episode and, and again, I love Issa Rae. I, she, I would drink her pee. I don't know. Sometimes I look up from the episode and I'm like, wait, nothing just happened in the plot, but I still like, I felt the warmth of the set design and the clothing and all of that kind of stuff. So I think a little bit of that is happening with this like when you open those scenes you're like wow this is this is a budget but there were times where we were like okay we don't care we don't know who this person is like push that plot a little bit further well yeah the lake was probably one of the best ones in in here yeah i agree and i like how these stories don't end um not to do too much spoiling but they don't end happily at all or there's no like justice for the innocent characters it's just like I mean, she's just a bad bitch mermaid now. That's what the fuck it is. Yeah. Like, I, I like how that ended. Yeah. The the shot, though, when you actually sh- see her as the siren or the mermaid is just, like, fucking um, terrible. <laughs> Doesn't look good at all. She's, like, that, like, teeth, like, chunky teeth that look like Halloween. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, so that's what teeth. you're referring to. You're referring yeah. to, like, the creature effects. Yeah, creature effects. The right. blood doesn't look really No, none very of the blood real. looks real. Yeah, um, no, they spent the budget on uh, recording <laughs> and not, like, fake blood. Um, so, yeah, you want to move on to the next one? So, that first story was The Lake. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, the second story is called Brand of Evil. It's directed by, um, he goes by the alias Director X, and it's written by Ezra Clayton Daniels. So, you want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, I think you had more opinions because you were saying that this felt very Atlanta to you. Yeah, they did a good job of... So So this story is about um, an artist. He sprays murals on the side of buildings. And I really liked this story because it, it really deals with 
a struggling artist who is sort of being guilted into like doing things for his community all the time. And then one day he gets an anonymous call and he's like, Hey, this, this other person's like, Hey, I, I need you to do some mural symbols. Like I'll pay you five grand tonight. I'll pay you 10 K tonight. Um, and he just describes the symbols thoroughly. And we learn that these symbols are like neo-Nazi occult symbols. And not only that, but these symbols are, like completely like come to life and end up killing black people in the neighborhood. So he's dealing with this internal conflict of like being well paid by some evil white man that he doesn't really know about at first or his community is guilt tripping him into working on murals all day long for like very low pay. And it's set in Atlanta. Um, so the main character's name is Nakani and we learned that he also has a boyfriend named Cordell. So it felt very, I don't know, you know, there's a big thing about like how, I'm not calling it a stereotype. It's not a stereotype. Atlanta is a Atlanta is a, a black mecca. It's a safe haven for black people. And Atlanta does have a very heavily populated gay scene, which is amazing. It's like a safe space for queer people there. Like specifically uh, like gay men, oh, black uh, men, black men. But Atlanta does like, you know, black pride and things like that. So it, it felt really nice to like have Nikani um, be in a relationship like with his partner and they would just say little things about like, this is on Peachtree and uh, I can do a job out in Buckhead. Like things that you would just know you're like, Oh yeah, they're, they're in Atlanta and this is a affluent neighborhood versus a not so great one. So I, I really enjoyed this story. I will say that the acting is rough. Um, in this one, I, I mean, can we say that about all six stories? Yeah. Okay. The acting is rough in this, uh in this story like especially when the they he finds out essentially that he's been hired by some clansman it's like bro are you not like horrified right now like you're kind of like <laughs> like a, a lot of grunts and things like that but i i think the actual story is really well written yeah like like i can see myself reading the story being like really into it the cool element to it is that when he draws these sigils they show up in a form of this like long, big, almost like a magic carpet. A ma- of, like <laughs> yes. ma- Aladdin. The CGI is horrible. I'm just going to let uh, you know now. It, yeah, it was cool, but it sort of deals with this, sim- this idea that symbols and um, letters and words are powerful and they yes. can cause a lot of damage. In this case, it's actual physical damage and the, the magic carpets like slice people up and kill them and uh in ways but there is like one scene where this woman gets killed but it looks like someone threw like cherry pie on at the window yes because and we've been talking about how blood should have evolved since ganja and hess and this looks very ganja this looks very ketchup i will say though that this story like you said that embodiment of hate symbols being the thing that kills is just really powerful because i was talking to ben about there was this you know, obviously t- today is when we're filming today is Halloween and there was this story in the news where this kid probably on a dare dressed as a, a Klansman in a white robe and a hoodie and um, he went through like four periods of school before he was like pulled from class and obviously you know he did it on a dare and whatever and this kid's probably not racist it was just probably something whatever would do but it's like you you're really underestimating how horrified other black students in that school and how triggered they were to probably see something like that even as a fucking joke so people don't like I vividly remember some of the early days where I would like go to a bathroom and see just like KKK etched on something. And even if somebody made it as a joke, it's like, this is very, 
jarring to see as I'm just like casually passing a bathroom or, or Confederate flags were like that with me for a time. I obviously, you know, I'm from Georgia, so I'm a little bit more desensitized to that kind of stuff now. But we don't like, really see them in Chicago anymore. Right. Or even Ben and I were coming back from a trip um, and some guy was wearing some super offensive shirt and we just kind of sat in the car quietly for like 10. You remember that guy we saw at the gas station? Oh, yeah. And I didn't even feel comfortable going inside the gas station. It's like the people like to do like, it's just a shirt. It's just a whatever. And it's like, but you, this, this is a form of violence. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's not funny to wear Nazi symbols and just be like, I did it on a dare. Um, so this story did a really good job. Like, completely like embodying that pain and and violence the other question the story asks is to what extent do you owe your community yes like do you (laughs) right that's that's a big one i think it's an important one like every black person has has had a conversation like girl do it for your community girl it's like what or or if uh or or if a certain organization who might have you know a nebulous oppressive past offer you like a really good deal to do something and i mean obviously in this case it's pretty clear like you don't you shouldn't be drawing nazi symbols or occult symbols that bring back demons to that kill black people like probably not the best idea right but at one point even he in the story says his boyfriend is like and you use amazon don't you okay so we we decide (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, you know, thinking about, uh, I don't know, like McDonald's, right? McDonald's, I feel like, targets lower-income communities by putting up their McDonald's in certain neighborhoods, even in Chicago, right? So is it wrong to be an exec at McDonald's and work in their business or their marketing um, and make millions as millions of dollars as, like, a, a black person? That I think that's what this sort of short film gets into. Yeah, I've... Um... This is the last thing I'll say about this, but as a voiceover actor, you know when you get like, hey, we want an urban person to read this like credit card ad or this credit union ad about like, you got debt? No problem. You know, one of those. And you just feel like shit because like, you're like, oh, this gig isn't paying well, but I know exactly who this ad is meant to target and why and and, and, and manipulate too and manipulate um and it's gonna be you know it's not like it's hurting the masses or whatever like that's what you tell yourself but at the end of the day it's like my voice that is potentially leading people to make horrible decisions about their financial credit and that fucking sucks um but we gotta pay our bills too so it's hard this 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 story did a great job in encapsulating that it's so fascinating that uh you know we're going to the next one um bride before you where i think this one had some of the best acting but the the story the, was the pretty so, boring the southern accents were horrible oh really okay. yeah i maybe well the main character i've seen her in other things uh mm-hmm. and she i mean she her, did a good job the acting frantic, was good the yeah. southern accents were bad. I would say just her and um, the mother and then Sabine, who is the servant in this one, uh, Bride Before You, 
I that, know we saw Sean Patrick Thomas and then he was like out of there. Yeah, We're that, like, damn, was, we have, we've missed you since Save yeah. the Last Dance but, in Barbershop, but go ahead. Bye. But the previous, uh, the previous one had terrible acting, but the story was qu- quite intriguing in, in the questions it, it asked, which made me go to show like, if you have a good story, you can actually get away with bad acting in some ways. <laughs> um, so yeah, this film deals with this woman uh, who... Uh, moves uh, to the south. She's a black woman. She moves to the south to be with her husband, who's from the south, and she's feel, feeling very lonely and away from home. And the only thing that makes her feel comfortable, uh, like comfortable as someone who's you know moving from the north back to the south, is to spin cotton. And there's a great sort of um, tension between like northern blacks and Southern Blacks in the Reconstruction era. And at this time, you you sort of see the opulence of what re, the promise of Reconstruction era, because, you know, as, um, you know, Michelle Alexandra pointed out in the New Jim Crow, the amount of people who were elected, Black people elected immediately after the Civil War were significantly higher. On, and then that sort of hope and dream just all is destroyed when you get Jim Crow, like right after the Civil War. What do you mean they were higher? I don't understand what you're saying. Higher, like more people and more black people in politics. They were actually being part of politics. They were getting um, higher paying jobs. And then that sort of ends rather quickly. social status, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. And you sort of see there's this like, you know, really thriving black communities. We saw this as well in... Uh, the conductors during the reconstruction era like there was you know this you know black elite and then that Mm -hmm. all changes once the great migration happens and the northern cities starts you know ghettoizing all the black southerners who are coming up there and then jim crow starts uh, oppressing black people so you sort of see this snippet of like the opulence of um black families like uh, during reconstruction uh Anyway, she can't have a baby, right. so she goes to a root woman, and the root woman gives her, I guess, like crushed up black beans. It looks like. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, she gave her some, you know, roots and herbs, and was and like, then, "Eat this, you'll be able to have a baby." And then she, but does. the baby requirements were so strange. It was like, "Give me a boy free of blackness." It's like, what? <laughs> Anyway, okay. she, she, she <laughs> has a kid. Black. She has this kid, and it turns out she also has a twin. And the twins, one is like this, you know, the, black the son boy. that she has has a twin as well. So she yeah. has a set of twins, not she's a twin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it turns out it's a spider. She gave birth to a spider <laughs> who who kills her. The spider is killing all her brothers. Um, wives or soon-to-be wives yeah and she's like hiding in the walls it's like a ghostly figure yeah it, that was pretty cool yeah it was dope um and because you know whenever you go to like a, a witch they require something from you but i kept on th- imagining like you having a kid and we find out that it's like actually a spider yeah i mean i, I would i, I would i'm sorry a spider. I, I would i would have to kill it <laughs> well, it's fun because I mean I don't want to spoil the end because the end is the best part of it, but it's it's so bizarre. Um, 
It's not very bizarre. She's obviously like requesting a child that's like lighter skin. Sorry, with, it, with the whole thing hair. is bizarre. The whole the whole thing is bizarre. I was like, I, this story makes me think a lot about. Um, I didn't tell you this, but I was listening to the read today, and they had someone write into the show. This woman who was a lesbian, and she's like, "Hey, um, I'm a lesbian. I'm gonna propose to my girlfriend soon. She has a son from a previous relationship." And that son is biracial, but now we're looking to adopt a child. And she's saying she also wants another biracial child. And like, is that a red flag? Like why? But if, if we're both black, like why would we not like want to foster like love and, you know, values into another black child? And she was talking about how her girlfriend kind of idolizes her son's really light fair skin and his hair. And he's so cute. Yeah. That's and problematic. Very right. And so it just, um, <laughs> and you know, this woman is writing to the show, just being like, how should I address this to my girlfriend? And obviously Crystal and kid fury are like, uh, you should break up with her. <laughs> like you should have a larger conversation with your girlfriend about like, do you think we would be more attractive if we were lighter skin? Like how, how deep does yeah. this go? And it just, um, the, the idolization of lighter skin and cranky. I mean, colorism is just this huge issue that does stem back to slavery, but it's just like, uh, imagine being a root worker and somebody's like, I'm infertile. I cannot have a child. You're my last resort except can you please make sure the child has light skin? She's like, girl, fuck you. Like, I will make you whatever, baby. <laughs> like, like, why is that also a requirement? You can't even bear children right now, whore. Yeah, so it, it touches into that time. But also, part of the motivation was the woman, the mother, did not want the son to look like the father, who was darker skin. And part of that could be, yes, colorism. The other part is that she was sort of hating the father because the father was going out and fucking other bitches. You think that if your child is light skinned that they won't be fucking other bitches? Like well, what's no, what's the what's no, the No, sorry, point she wanted there? she wanted to get back at the father. She was hoping the child would look more like her who was lighter skin because the father was sort of an asshole. Yeah, but I don't excuse me. <laughs> I I I don't know. It's just like she wanted to have this child to also please the dad. So yeah. it's it's hard to be like, can you please bear a child so that I can please your father, but also make it so he doesn't look like you. I just, I don't know. I, I just feel weird about, you know, right now we're having a child and it's weird for people to be like, Oh my God, you're having a little Amber. You're having a little Ben. And it's like, this person is going to have their own freaking life. Like obviously yeah. they're going to have some of our characteristics, but I, I think there's a level of um, vanity that goes with like, I'm only having a child because I want a little version of myself. Like that's just not what it's going to be. Yeah. I, I think it's like this, f this false sense of futuridity is a term that I keep on coming back to. Like having a kid is somehow an extension of yourself and, and secures your identity. But that's so unfair for that child because that Secure child is not it. is not you. And right? we all know the the burden of carrying that, like, or or when you do something wrong, it's like, oh, well, you're just like your father. Like that, that's why you're acting like that. And it's just like, I I'm justifiably upset about a comment that you made, and that makes me like my father. Like, no, you know, 
Yeah. And I'm sure your parents did stuff like that as you were a kid. Like, oh my, oh, I mean, well, you do look just like your father. <laughs> but, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm also But y'all not, are very different. I'm not my father. And I, and I love, I love my father-in-law, but y'all are very different. And I wish more people would just sort of let their children be like, we're related, but this person is their own like magical little friend. Yeah, I would fall. I would maybe put this uh, short film in like the pregnancy horror type of <laughs> oh my collection. God, I, I had to turn my face, so I, we'll post a video in the Patreon about me watching this scene where she's, you know, giving birth to this spider and child, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, "Ooh, I cannot watch this because every TV show and movie makes pregnancy look like." I mean, it's probably going to be really bad, but well, the childbirth, it, it makes it just look like pure hell. And it's, it's hard for me. It's cringy. You want to take a quick break? Yeah. I mean, pregnancy is trauma. This is a great time to remind you folks that we are running a Kickstarter campaign. Now, Kickstarter is really cool. It's a space for creators and inventors and musicians, and they're raising money for passion projects. And our passion project is creating a documentary and getting all of that juicy film equipment that we need to bring y'all better content and hopefully a visual version of this podcast. So please check out our Kickstarter. You can find the link in the episode notes. Thank you for always supporting us. Now let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. Kicking off episode four. Well, segment number four in this anthology series is Fugue State, right? Fugue. Fugue State, Fugue. directed by Rob J. Greenlee. The short story is by the GOAT, Tanana Reeve Do. You want to talk a little bit about this one, baby? Yeah, uh, they had such a beautiful apartment. <laughs> it looked like a Target commercial. It except, did. It was so... F- okay, this is what you were talking about at the top of the show. Go ahead. Yeah, but except you get... Okay, so when Amber and I watch movies, and we watch a lot of movies, we it's just something that we do um, both. We watch movies in different kinds of ways as well. So we'll watch a movie where it's sit down, snuggle like enjoy a film right sort of like this those are my favorite kinds and then there are other times we watch a movie where hey i want to watch this movie but i also have to work so we'll just turn it on when we have to sit down and snuggle and like get all comfy and close like (sighs) this is like something that i don't like about you but it's a hot mic so share go ahead the lesson like okay the lesson i've learned about you is that lights have to be shut off you know, you need, sometimes you need like the big furry socks, you need a blanket and then, yeah, I sound, then I'm you a need horrible like, person for one. Then you need, then you need like a, usually it's popcorn or you need, you know, a sandwich like a, or a rice dish or something like that. If we're going to do a, a cuddly time, this is what you need. And it just, <laughs> it, it literally takes preparation. And then the other thing that you do is that our TV is on a, like a stand and it's lift up. So if you... If you put anything on top of that stand, so maybe the room, uh, you know, another remote or a, uh, a book or a candle, like that has to be removed. Like you should, like perfect clear picture. Like everything just has to be done, and it's so frustrating because sometimes you won't request certain things, and until I sit down, and also it might depending on what you need, you might need water or you might need a Lacroix. So I'll sit down. I'm think we're all comfy, ready to go. You're like, okay, nope, lights, that thing. Anyway. I'm recreating I, I, the the cinema. I, I say all this because, and there's a scene 
in Fugue State where they have like art pieces set on like near the TV, but it's blocking the TV stand. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. I was like, if Amber and I were to like sit down and watch a movie, she would have yelled at me to like, not yelled. I mean, you would have directed me to take those things off so you could clearly see the picture. Um, because sometimes things are up there and they're so high that we can't even read the freaking closed caption. It's like it's blocking the captioning. Yeah, no, that that's Which fair. I obviously watch everything in subtitles. Yeah. E- like, even if it's in English, I need my subtitles. Yeah. And Amber calls that reading for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Uh, I love- I'm sorry. I think I read quite a bit compared to, like, most people, especially because of this freaking podcast. Yeah. Because Ben just, like, for starters, we have a, a author who um, is coming on the show at some point, and... Ben will give me a copy of their book or the PDF of their book like a week in advance. And I'll be like, this is 500 pages. And he's like, yeah, what's the problem? I'm like, I just did the math. I have to read 50 pages a day for me to be done by the deadline. And you're like, you're fine. So, yeah, Yeah. sometimes I need to keep – obviously, we plan for this show. The show involves doing homework. So I'm reading like three books at once. I'm reading a book about – midwives and birth i'm reading two sci-fi novels like so i'm so so fucking sorry that i enjoy subtitles on damn sorry but yeah this this whole one uh did feel like a target commercial and then this is the one that ben was talking about like you could the the tv was turned off so you could see the camera crew and the reflection yeah but this one also um starred rachel true from the craft and tony todd from Candyman. so why don't you talk a little bit about what it is about because you know we love some cults you know i love me some cults yeah Uh, this is a cult horror film uh that is a whole genre so that's something that Amber really enjoys, which is a shame that you haven't seen Midsummer. Yet. Every time I try to watch Midsummer, you're like, "No, I can't I, let you watch it. Yeah. I can't. You can't." I don't know if you could handle that, but are you kidding? I have a a way stronger stomach than you. Okay, maybe we'll we'll have to we'll have to see. So it's a cult film. There is the main the setup. The frame story is pretty great, but the main character is a cult researcher who goes to a cult meeting and it turns out he is brought into the fold of this cult through some mystical means and he starts acting really strange and his wife and him actually have a very like cute like non-toxic relationship and um (laughs) why'd you look at me when you said non-toxic well (laughs) because they were doing something cute at one point and you made fun of them on the screen which i thought was mean in sort of bullyish well, behavior, you- like shut up. They were like, they were like, oh, like. Well, they were the, being the, so the, cute in the tub that I literally couldn't keep up with what she was saying. Like, you remember when they were talking on cute to each other? I was like, wait, what did she just say? Like, even with the subtitles, I was like, I, like I don't- shut up. And then you said, like, shut up, girl, speak up. Like, be no, sexy to speak up. You're like, oh, you're you, you guys are annoying or something like that. When she hit because- him in the butt. She spanked well, they were the so they were in the bathtub at the beginning of it, and that was cute. But sometimes these scenes are meant to last like thirty seconds. Like we we sat through a full bath with them. I mean, they rented out the house, so they need to get all the shots in, in for the one house. Okay, so yeah, uh, so they you see a, a very healthy relationship. It starts yeah, to deteriorate, deteriorate. When the man starts going to church, starts going to church and they do a really cool, 
you know, scene where he actually physically and starts to lose the like capacity to read and write clearly. Like that's what these cults do, but it, it's in a very um, like, supernatural right, way. Yeah, he can't even like read anymore. He can't write anymore, and so the wife um, sort of has to you know fight this thing. Eventually, she goes to the meeting as well and uh, ends up joining the cult as as well because, you know, Tony Todd has this, like, glowing power that brings people in, and I guess he stares at people and has light come into their eyes, and then they go around murdering people with knives as, like, a couple. So it, It's it, cute. Yeah, it we is cute. Yeah, they, they start... <laughs> It's a nice sort of uh, circle, right? They start as a cute couple, and then they still end as a cute couple, like holding hands, but like knives behind their back, murdering people. I love it. Yeah. I think more couples should murder together, you know? I also think they were targeting... It seemed to be that the 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 cult leader was targeting um, intellectual people. And couples, in some cases. I think, I yeah. I couple walking in the Yeah, street. couples. It was cute. Yeah. It, it was another story that, like, kind of dragged on a little bit. But yeah. for the most part, it was pretty enjoyable. You want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Uh, the next one's called Daddy. The story is by Victor Laval. And it's essentially... This is this was the weakest story for me. Um, I, I don't think it be, uh, because of Victor Laval, because as we know, we love him from The Ballad of Black Tom. And, um, Changeling as well. He wrote Changeling? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, there's a, not the Angelina, the Angelina Jolie, Jolie Changeling. Movie. Yeah, that's what I was There's a, another book that deals with doppelgangers and that type of thing called Changeling. Um, fairies, I, I think. Okay. Um, I'm trying to. He, I mean, you're, you're the expert. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he's, he is, yeah, he's fantastic. He's awesome. Yeah, well, like Ben said, this is a doppelganger story. So it's about this father who has this child. Another really strange, like, two beautiful black people that are a couple. And for some reason, their child is, like, mixed-raced. It's like, okay, Make sure. it make sense. Is, make that, is that what you say? They're, they're just, we've seen just so many examples of, like, biracial children in a two-parent, like, black home that we were just like, that's so bizarre. Like the Cosby show growing up, like, like they're, they're two very black people. And then like Lisa Bonet is in it or my wife and kids. They're just tons of examples um, of like the Zendaya's of the world that get casted, even though like Zendaya's parents and the thing look like my parents. And anyway, um, but yes, this, this, this child is mixed race, which has nothing to do with the plot. I was like, oh, maybe there's, there's a plot point here, but no, not at all. Um, and this dad, this dad is the world just loves, uh, you know, biracial children. Um, this dad is just like protecting his son the entire time. And then the son sort of starts saying things like, be quiet, listen. And he's just repeating someone that he hears outside of his window. So obviously the dad's going paranoid and like, who's outside of my son's window? Like what is going on? And there's this older gentleman in the building that's like, protect your son. It, typically when a child sees something like that, it's someone that they know. It's someone in the home. So then the dad's like, are you accusing my wife? What is it? And then eventually we learn that, you know, spoiler alert, a doppelganger of himself is who is taunting his child outside of the window. And and then, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, that's 
I think that's, that's a story. it. Yeah. yeah, that's the story. I was about to spoil some more, but yeah. I mean, obviously, it's hard. So obviously, a fight ensues between the original and the doppelganger, and the doppelganger wins out and kills the original, and sort of we assume is going to start abusing the child by the end of um, the the short film. I like this, especially as a, a budding parent or thinking about parenthood, because honestly, there is this two you know many sides of us mm-hmm. as parents and adults and sometimes we have to recognize like are we this evil part of us today yeah. with our child you know are we gonna let that one win out or mm. are we not right like that's sort of uh the thing that this question asks or you could just read it as like a doppelganger horror story it's kind of like in a relationship where you're like Okay, it's the early stages of dating, so let me not show him my crazy. Yeah. And then one day, he learns, like, wow, this bitch is next level. Right. And does he stay or does he go? We we never know. We never know. But also with this, unlike, you know, dating, like, a child will intentionally sort of pick at you and sort of crawl at you i guess partners do that as well yeah asking well, for well, popcorn we'll send you into yeah a, a oh my tizzy, god it's the worst so yeah that was that was daddy and then finally sundown uh the final one uh sundown directed by kimani ray smith and written by al leston uh we have laval crawford playing a vampire in this one so the frame story is you have this couple going to from <laughs> From Chicago, I guess. <laughs> going West down Virginia. to West Virginia. They drove to West Virginia that morning. To canvas for a a black um, senator. Which also doesn't make sense, because why are they... Wouldn't their senator be in Illinois? I guess, I guess people can canvas across... States. Uh, states. It's possible. Know? I don't... It didn't really make sense. And they go to this town, and it turns out the town is filled with vampires. But you don't find that out until, like, sort of halfway through. Uh, A.K.A. Sundown. Yeah. And then they have to, the couple has to fight off the vampires. And <laughs> the best part of this is that Laval Crawford. It's Lavelle. Lavelle. Uh, we're confused because we just talked about oh. Victor Laval. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah, Lavelle. Lavelle Crawford mm-hmm. is this vampire but apparently this like racist town which used to be a sundown town um prefers to have black people uh as dark meat to eat that was just a joke he made no no that no that's a thing because lavelle says you know i was supposed to you know they're not going to eat them until like the blood moon but he said it also like when they love that dark meat like he well, yeah, he and didn't, didn't. no, actually, now that I remember, it's like they specifically wanted you to. Mm. So somehow, I think they were manipulated into coming down to West Virginia or something as, like as that. As is every person that lives in West Virginia. Yeah, who, who transplants. <laughs> is your mom from West Virginia? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been there? Yes, I think. I've been to Virginia because my my grandma moved. But yeah, I've been Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina those uh places uh but the interaction was really funny between lavelle crawford and lavelle carried that entire yeah. segment it was it, it was nice it's to funny. end with a funny 
um, comedy horror situation. And Lavelle was so funny. He's just like, just like everything we've ever seen of him on stage. He 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 carried. Uh, the main vampire is also from American Gods, and he plays his violin, and he's really creepy. I I thought the but the thing is, whenever I see a violin in a TV show or a movie, <laughs> like it's me so angry because it's not played right. Like he's playing the strut, you know, way you know, moving the bow all the way up to the fingerboard, and it's not near the bridge. And it's just, he's holding it wrong. Oh, it's just cringy because the sound that would be coming out of there would be so screechy, but it's this like creepy violin music. So that that is just a pet peeve of mine. Like if you have someone using a violin as a prop, don't give me close up of their fingers, like have it from a distance. It's hard because, you know, a lot of people like fake play piano in films and you could do a shot of like them at the piano and then just their hands, but the violin... That's that's one shot, baby. That's so close yeah. together. <laughs> I mean, you, well, that's what a filmmaker does is they find a way to be creative to yeah. hide that to mask that. Uh, the other thing is that the <laughs> the going. wife the wife is oftentimes like because before we know that they're vampires, they say, "Hey, you know, sorry, your tires got slashed, and all you canvassers are now stuck in this sundown town, and you don't know what to do." Not suspicious at all. The mayor of the town says, follow me as I play this violin creepily. And we're all like all the white people are like, yeah, all the white canvassers are like, yeah, we'll go. And uh, the black wife is um, the couple who's black. The wife is says like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. Like just very, very black. She's yeah, great. just this is insane. Like, you know, like very me on every hike. Yeah. So it just felt like. Felt like home for you. Felt like home for me. (laughs) Felt like home for me. What was your favorite story of the six? I I did enjoy Sundown. You get to, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, the the wife turns out to have done two tours in Afghanistan. That's likely. Why did you just, like, roll your eyes about that? Uh, Because it just felt like there was no reference to her military background until she had to start putting weapons together to fight off vampires, right? True. And I I think also, as someone who has met people who has toured in Afghanistan, um, and if someone who was in combat, like most people who do tours are not in combat, they're they're non-combative military personnel, so they're like working on planes or, you know, doing, uh, you know, other things. Most, most military are like that. She, she simply did not carry herself in a way that struck me as someone who would have done tours. I got you. You know what I mean? Like, and also, like, I mean, it makes sense that someone who would do tours in Afghanistan would do more political activism, like mm-hmm. canvassing. Yeah. That that made sense. Uh, yeah. I just, as someone who it was in a combat unit who did two tours in Afghanistan, <laughs> I don't think. You're like saying it like it's a riddle. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they would have like gone to West Virginia with their <laughs> husband. Like it just didn't make fucking What's sense. What's worse, West Virginia or Afghanistan? Or like well, make me done. make me believe it. I, I don't know. So that was sort of stupid but i did like you know the action and it and lavelle being funny so i love it 
I think my favorite one was the um the brand did by evil one with the art muralist and the occult signs. Like that story felt the most like, yes, great pacing. Yes. Or, or even when that homeless guy, or I, I won't call him homeless. When that guy who's like the neighborhood drunk started taunting him. And then, and, and then the next day that guy went missing. Cause he was like the first dead person. He was like, man, that nigga drank too much. Anyway, it was just like, what? <laughs> not you painting a black lives matter mural and not, like completely dismissing that this black man in the community just died. Like yeah. it, it had a good balance of like a little bit of humor, a little bit of like, yep, I felt that internal conflict of like, why don't you just do it for the community? Why don't you just stay an extra hour for the community? It's like, I really like that story. I think that story also like wanted us to believe that the younger generation is more selfish, right? Like we were, we really were led to believe that this young hip, you know, um, you know, graffiti artist, muralist artist is really in it for himself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to balance it with his boyfriend, who is much more politically aware and yeah. much more understanding of not selling your soul to the devil. They but, could also could have made their relationship a little bit more clear. It felt yeah. very roommatey at first, and then we were like, "Wait, I think they're together." Oh yeah, yeah. They together. could have made it a little, but and then near the end, they were like, "Man, I love his big head ass, so let me go ahead and give him a call." Yeah, they, they didn't show like any physical affection like they it was it like was a, a, an extended shoulder rub at one yeah. point but you were still kind of like mm, that could have been I there don't know. should have been like a, a kiss there should have been something yeah um a physical affection i guess i really like the lake the lake for me felt like the most insidious one it also made me think of uh the hulu series i think it was called it's called the teacher but it deals with a woman mm. who has an affair with her students and sort of Eesh. the the grooming in which that's done. And that the unsuspect like people don't expect women to be pedophiles. Yeah. And I mean so, yeah. that's the thing is this idea that women you know, since they're caregivers, they can't do, you know, villainous kinds of things is definitely challenged in uh the lake. I felt like that story could like had a very And you, you know, know what they're probably not clear, challenged? Cruella. Right. Cruella. Oh my god. And with that being said, Ben, why don't you warp up the yeah, show? I'm gonna warp this up. Okay. So in conclusion, go ahead, watch Hard Noir. It's two and a half hours long. Yeah, break it up, break it up. You might want to just put it on if you're having a party at your house and just put it on in the background so people can watch it and be like, what the fuck? There's a spider killing people or like, what the fuck? You know, there's a, a, a magic carpet with a Nazi symbol beheading people. I think that that's what this uh, this anthology series is for. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Side Podcast. Up next for episode 60, we're going to be watching, I'm going to say this two different ways because it's a French movie. Um, so we're going to be watching Atlantique on Netflix. It's by Matty Diop. And um, it's in French, but we'll be watching it, you know, with the English subtitle. So in English, it's Atlantics. It is a supernatural romantic drama. And it was at the Cannes Film Festival. So be sure to watch Atlantique or Atlantics on Netflix. And we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.